Good morning, everyone. Okay, uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter 1. So we move on from uh, Jacob and Joseph uh, to Exodus and a whole nother generation. Now these are the names of the sons of Israel, Israel is Jacob, who came to Egypt, or sorry, uh, uh, who came to Egypt with Jacob. Uh, they came each one his, his, his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Ishakar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, all the persons who came from the loins of Jacob were 70 in number, but Joseph was already in Egypt. Joseph died, and all his brothers and all, the, uh, all that generation, but the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with, with them. Um, so you see from Jacob birth the people of Israel and then Israel as a nation um, or as a people group. Now a new king arose over Egypt, verse 8, who did not know Joseph. So all the favor that Joseph and his family had um, growth and, and prosperity. Uh, this new pharaoh, new king, did not know who Joseph was. Verse 9. He said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, or else they will multiply, and in the event of war, they will also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor, and they built for Pharaoh storage cities. Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. And the more they spread out so that they were in dread of the sons of Israel. The Egyptians compelled the sons of Israel to labor rigorously. And they made their lives bitter with hard labor and mortar and bricks. At all kinds of labor in the field. All their labors which they rigorously imposed on them. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other was named Pua. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and let the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. Because the midwives feared God, he established households for them. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you are to be cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. I, I think I mentioned about a week ago uh, uh, that God's favor was on Israel, and I couldn't think of an account where any lives were lost you know, from the exodus and whatnot. Um, the midwives didn't take any lives uh, of the children of Israel, um, but eventually the edict would be given out and then uh, male sons are to be thrown into the Nile. Um, and so that, that would uh, be a context in which uh, lives were being lost. Um, yeah, for, for Joseph... And Jacob and their family, one, they knew that this wasn't their home. They knew that there was a greater promise to come. Um, but at the same time, like, like all of us, like any of us, 
we can get quite comfortable with where we're at. Um, we can start planning long term uh, for something that we really should have the mentality of short term. Um, I think one of the things that um, really challenges me that I heard this statement before and, and, and should challenge you as well is that, uh, well, one, we have to have an eternal perspective, but it's this idea, this, this all of us have this vision or we envision what life should look like at certain stages of our life. We envision that, that God should have uh, allowed this or put these things into position. Um, and really, a humble life you know, used before God is one in which that we submit our vision to God. It's not to say that we don't have any vision. It's not to say that uh, we don't make plans. We certainly do. Um, you know, uh, 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 to have a passion and uh, for our futures, for our families. We, we absolutely do. Um, but even with that, we submit that before God. And oftentimes when we're disgruntled, or oftentimes when we are, are uh, challenged in our faith or doubt in God, it usually often has to do with the fact that something that we envisioned should be like or anticipate or want, and it doesn't happen either the way you want or the time you want. And then we get into discouragement and then doubt, uh, uh, disappointment with God. Um, I think that it's good that the people of Israel are prepared and understand that this is not their permanent home. But at the same time, in the flesh, we can get so comfortable. Um, well, the time has come and, uh, you know, all the favor and all the blessing and all the provision and all the resources that came with Joseph and his relationships are now all dead. And so whatever favor Israel had died over, uh, 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 you know, several hundreds of years, it passed away with the memory of Joseph. And now you have a new king who knows nothing of Joseph, who knows nothing of the past, all he sees is that these foreigners uh, uh, that, that are detestable to them are becoming a great nation or, or a great people. And, and that's testament to the fact that God promised. God promised that you will grow, that you will raise up. Um, I mentioned this before, but they had to, God had to bring them out of the comfort uh, to a degree of Canaan um, because generally over time, Listen, this is the scriptures. Generally, over time, uh, in a comfortable situation, we will begin to adopt the patterns of the world. You see this time and time again, right? I, I mentioned last week, uh, uh, Daniel, uh, uh, the Babylonian, uh, 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 there was given a, 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 a permission to go and rebuild the wall and, 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 and people were so comfortable living in this foreign land that they would rather stay there than break out into the identity and the calling and the promise that God had called them out of. Um, it's like a, a, a Korean American or, or, or uh, uh, you know, uh, living in the United States and then there's turmoil or war in North Korea or South Korea uh, and there's a call for Koreans to come back, the diaspora to come back home to rebuild the nation. And, and someone like me saying, well, I'm comfortable here in America. I like, I, like, I like the culture here. I like the food here. I like the sports. So I'm just going to stay put. Uh, but my people and my nation and my, 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 my family are, are suffering abroad. And so um, 
because uh, there would be potentially intermarrying with the Canaanites, uh, God called them out to Israel for a season, I'm sorry, to Egypt for a season in which there would be no intermarrying uh, culturally because they were so opposite. Um, so within this nation, uh, they began to grow, they began to multiply. Um, the Egyptians, the leadership, saw how they were growing, saw the favor of God, and so they wanted to afflict them. They wanted to press them down. Um, and it says in verse 12, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. What I, what I see here is a manifestation or fruits or coming to fruition, a deposit that, that I don't think came out of a vacuum. So if Joseph in his dying and in his death and in his uh, uh, remains was a great testimony of encouragement and hope, even in, in his life past and his bones to the people of Israel to look to the future of the promise, um, then what I, what I see here is that as people are getting more afflicted, yet they are multiplying uh, and spreading out and, and, and accomplishing even, even you know, still great feats. Um, the, the people of Israel here, they, you know, it's mentioned that they built a lot of uh, 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 you know, uh, um, facilities and, and you know, services for the kingdom. At this time, uh, the, the pyramids had already been built. So most scholars believe that the Israelites were not in the time frame where the pyramids were built. The pyramids were built uh, prior to that. Um, but yet, as they're being afflicted, they're multiplying, they're strengthening. And I can't help but think that this culture or this value or this persistence, this endurance is rooted in their father, in, in, in Joseph, who, when he was afflicted, when he was put in the pit, who, when he was in jail, who, when he was forgotten, um, thrived in no matter situation that Joseph was pushed down in, yet with the favor of God, he learned, Joseph learned to trust in God, to believe in God for all situations and circumstances. So Joseph gave his best. And despite lowly circumstances, he grew in authority. He grew in influence. He grew in, in, in favor. And so I think what Joseph individually as a person uh, uh, sowed in his own life was carried down to his children, was carried down to the next generations, was carried down to the, to the uh, as a value system. You know, hey, you remember our great, great grandfather, Joseph, you know, when he, when he was in the pit and when he was in uh, uh, sold into slavery and all those things. And yet he gave his best, yet he worked his hardest and God favored him. And so the more they were afflicted, now you see this being played out as a nation. Uh, the more they hunkered down, the more they, you know, uh, 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 got, you know, gritty and, and, and did their work. And, and despite the pressure, despite the affliction, it never stopped them. It never caused them to give up. They continued to give their best. I can't explain otherwise how that even though they were afflicted, they were still able to multiply and grow. And so you see here what was a decision by one man and then the release of favor of God over one man is now being played out over uh, uh, not just one man, but a whole nation. And I think that that has uh, huge implications for the decisions we make. 
and the life that we live, that we will model for our children and for our next generations. Uh, uh, the, you know, the value systems, the choices that we make, the attitudes that we have towards God, the attitudes that we have towards each other that are all visible to our children, that we convey uh, 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 you know, to our children and teach to them and model for them. It, it plays out and it manifests and it rewards in the future. And so uh, um, even, even, even in, the, in the face of affliction, they grew stronger. Even in the face of affliction, they grew stronger. Now, now what about us? You know, where, where are we being afflicted? Where have we been put down? You know, where, where have we been struggling? Where have we, uh, uh, um, we can't understand why God would allow certain things. Now, that happens to all of us. Every single one of us. You know, wherever you are in your journey of faith, whether you're, you're a new believer or a long-time believer, myself, yourself, all of us, we all get afflicted. We, we all get beat up. But I think the, the, the key or the operative word here is our response. What then is our response to that? The devil attempts to knock us out and then do we stay down? Right? Or do we trust that even in these circumstances and situations that God is still faithful? And, and that's the key. To believe that even in our affliction that God is still faithful. Right? And that gives us the faith and the hope and the power to move forward, to keep taking those steps um, and, and, and to do them unto God. And I think that's where the favor of God comes. Listen, when the people of God, when sons and daughters of God, when, when, when you and I, when we get afflicted, the, the scriptural example and model is as we trust in God, we actually get stronger. As we trust in God in that situation, uh, God gives us strength. So the more afflicted they were, the more they multiplied. The more the enemy came against, uh, the more the, favor, or the presence of God uh, empowers us. Um, interestingly here, uh, Pharaoh then gives a, a, a mandate to kill all the male Israelites in birth. Uh, and I just want to make note of this. Uh, uh, the midwives um, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. Uh, it says here that, uh, and the midwives are not uh, uh, Israel. They're not, they're not Hebrew. Uh, a lot of scholars think that if you're a midwife in this context in, in history, that if you're a midwife, it's usually uh, because you weren't able to bear children of your own. Uh, and so they're put in these positions to help uh, uh, women to bear uh, and give birth to children. Um, and so because they feared God or they feared God or were influenced, and you'll hear this a lot, um, you know, uh, um, you'll hear accounts of, uh, uh, Na- uh, what was it, uh, Naomi, who was an Israelite, who was a follower of God, and then her daughters, uh, Ruth. Um, hold on, was it Ruth? Sorry. Daughter-in-law was, daughter-in-law was Ruth. Yeah, okay, got that right. Um, and, and how others who weren't Israelites would adopt their God. They, in essence, they lived in such a way that was so evident in their faith in God that those outside of their faith 
would adopt and believe or fear their God. Um, and so uh, everywhere you go, in, 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 in any country, in any context, in, in any narrative, uh, you often hear this. There was a certain distinctiveness of the people of God, of, of the followers of God, so much so that those in the region would be affected. And so the midwives are just another example of that. They, they saw, you know, you know uh, the Pharaoh during Joseph's time was another example of that. They saw the favor of God, um, but in a distinct way that they lived, their, their dietary practices, their worship practices, their, their sacrifices, uh, 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 their ceremonial cleansings, all these things, um, you know, very, very disciplined, um, very, very obedient, very, very rigid. They would follow God in these practices because they believed in these practices that they were honoring God. And so all this was conveyed through the people around them. They would then see these people pursuing God in, in, in specific disciplined ways. And then they would see then their, the effect of their lives. And then as a result, they would begin to believe. And uh, we are called to live in such a way. Uh, um, you should be more concerned. You should be more concerned about being distinct and people catching a certain aroma about you in Christ, then you should about blending in with your, your colleagues, right? You should be more concerned about uh, 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 standing out for God than fitting in with your, with your workplace. Does that make sense, right? And um, you should be more concerned about uh, obeying God clearly in His scriptures uh, uh, than getting along with, with uh, you know, being okay with a church friend on, on a certain theological issue. Does that make sense? Uh, and, and, and certainly the Israelites do that, and as a fact, people are impacted. Um, the midwives will not take the lives of the young boys. And then it goes on to say that God blessed the midwives. And uh, because uh, the Hebrew or because they believed or, or had faith and didn't do this and feared God more than uh, the king that God would eventually give them their own households um, which, which means they, that they got their own families um, and so it's in this context um, then that as, as babies are, are mandated or uh, 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 the edict has gone out for babies to be th- male babies to be thrown into the Nile and interestingly enough it's not just um, Israelite male babies uh, but one commentary I read, it says that it's also an edict against uh, all the males in Egypt, uh, including Egyptians, uh, which, which I thought was, was quite interesting. Um, basically, this is, this is an act and a work of Satan. Right? Satan knows uh, um, that the Messiah, you know, the prophetic word, Genesis chapter 3, uh, uh, the seed of the woman uh, uh, will crush the head of the serpent. Um, it's all been prophesied. Uh, the enemy knows that in the long run, the Messiah and salvation for all, for Adam and Eve and all humanity will come. Um, you'll see time and time again. This isn't the first time. It's certainly, uh, uh, you know, with Adam being, you know, the devil, Satan wanting to destroy him. This isn't the first time. It won't be the last time where a whole nation is under threat. Whole generations of a nation are under threat. Uh, when Jesus is born, King Herod is also, uh, uh, you know, prior to Jesus' born, is also trying to kill the male babies of the Israelites. 
there is this uh, demonic assignment to kill and destroy the people of Israel. So as to thwart the purposes and plan of God and the coming of the Messiah. And so you have to recognize that wherever God is wanting to do good in your life, wherever God is wanting for you to have breakthrough and an encounter with God, that the forces of evil, that Satan himself is coming against that. And so we have to be aware spiritually uh, that if you, are, if you feel like Israel, if you feel like you're being oppressed, if you feel like you're being afflicted, uh, there is a reason for that. There is a work of God, a, a breakthrough or a revelation or an encounter with him that the enemy is trying to keep you away from. And if he can, he can get these thoughts in your mind, God doesn't really care or God's not really doing anything. I'm just going through the motions. Uh, why is this bad thing happening? And, 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 and we resort to other avenues of comfort or, or, or other means by which to, to get ourselves out of this you know, independently or, or uh, through our friends. And if the enemy can just cause us to get to this state where we're not interacting or talking or seeking with God, um, then, then, he's, then he's done his job. He's, he's done his job. Um, and so, just to wrap up here, uh, it's in this context of the plan of Satan to destroy the purposes and the will of God in your life as babies are charged to be thrown into the Nile, this, this evil you know, scheme of the enemy of death. It's in this context, you know, being used you know, uh, uh, by Pharaoh and King uh, uh, to bring this fate about. It's in this context that we're going to come into tomorrow, uh, uh, where though the enemy meant it for harm, uh, God turns it to good. And uh, we have the introduction of a baby that is let go, released into the water, um, but God will save him. And through this uh, uh, very difficult, uh, um, traumatic season in history, in the life of a people, uh, it's in this context that hope is birthed through one child, uh, that is Moses. And so we'll read about that tomorrow. Uh, let's bow our heads. And as the worship team comes up, and we'll, again, we'll just do one song um, as we have a lot of prayer points to go through today. The favor of Joseph for the people of Israel died with the memory of Joseph. Pharaoh forgot Israel, but God did not forget. Pharaoh forgot Israel. But God did not forget. You may feel like this morning uh, uh, that you're in a certain situation where uh, uh, you, you no longer feel the favor of your workplace. Uh, you no longer feel the favor in your home or in certain relationships. Uh, you may be in a position where you feel like your body is working against you now, you know. Uh, and I just want to encourage you this morning that even in the, the darkest affliction that there is always hope I can't imagine what the mothers and the fathers and the families 
uh, uh, emotionally, mentally, the strain uh, of having to lose their sons. You know, such a low and dark place. And yet, even in the midst of that and unaware to them, God had a plan. God had a plan to bring this baby into the, the, the courts of Pharaoh himself. And through the very person that is seeking to destroy, under his household, God would raise someone up into the highest ranks of authority and influence. But they didn't know that at the time. They didn't know that at the time when, when babies were being taken and babies were being thrown into the Nile. It may seem like uh, your boss has forgotten you. It may seem like uh, your friends have forgotten you. It may seem like your church has forgotten you. But God has not forgotten you. And God has a plan that is even now in the works to bring redemption and to bring restoration. You you just don't know it, right? It, It took a while for Moses to grow up. But while we're waiting for the fullness of the fruition of the plans and purposes ordained by God to come into place, while we're waiting for that, we know that in our affliction, in the lowest places, that we have the choice, that we have the option, and the ball is fully in your court. You are your own man. You are your own woman. You have your own will. No one will do it for you. You have a choice to choose to believe that even in this position, I will serve God nonetheless. And I will give God nonetheless. This is growth in affliction. I'll go as far as to say that your services, humility, and suffering unto God in these very most difficult seasons of your life, emotionally, right, there's circumstances, spiritually, you feel far from God. Let me tell you, these places where you serve God and sow in faith are the fruits and the weapons and the tools that will bring you victory in the next season to come. It may not be now. It may not be immediate. But man, that which you sow in suffering will be multiplied in return in the next season to come. The church grows in persecution. The church grows in affliction. Individually, we as a people and as a church, as believers are to grow in our affliction. So whatever the enemy is throwing at you, whatever he's been using to knock you down, man, let that be a place where we call on the grace of God, on the mercy of God to sustain us, on the strength of God to carry us. The greater the affliction, the more we press into God, the greater that God manifests. The greater the affliction, the more we press into God, 
And the greater the revelation of God, the greater the affliction, the more we press into God, and the greater the revelation of God. Where is your affliction? Where is your God in that season? Jesus, we thank you that in your greatest affliction, uh, the sin of the world upon you on the cross, that even in your death, you cried out to God. You humbled yourself. You made yourself vulnerable. You, 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 you let yourself be handled uh, by your children. And then God, in your greatest affliction, met you in the, in, in the grave and called you out and resurrected you. And the greatest power that the world has ever seen came from the greatest affliction that ever came. And so, Lord, we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.